You're listening to episode 29 of Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Let's chat. Discover children at a whole new level. Be empowered to grow with the children in your life. Welcome to Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Hi there and welcome to Chat About Children, where we chat about all things children and empower you to grow with the children in your life. Today's episode is all about bullying. We're chatting about a topic, unfortunately, that is a very relevant one. It's widespread and it does affect so many families. I know that for parents, carers and professionals, we certainly are happy to always get a better understanding of how we can address and how we can best support those who are being bullied. My guest today is Suzanne Gervais, and she has so much wisdom and personal experience to share on the topic. And above all else, she's created a means of empowerment for children who are bullied and a pathway of effective support for parents and for professionals too. This chat with Suzanne is insightful, it's delicate, empowering, and refreshingly honest, with light moments of humour and touching stories she shares that might bring a tear or two to your eyes. Above all that, she also talks about the signs that your child might be bullied, and we discuss the most important thing that a child needs to know to start successfully managing and addressing bullying. We also chat about how stories connect and speak to children, how they invite children to go on a learning journey that is meaningful and also powerful to them. You'll also want to stay tuned to not only learn the latest scoop on Suzanne's remarkable and very latest and valuable work, but you'll also get a chance to receive a gift copy of her bully-themed book, I Am Jack, first book of a four-book series. That's been given courtesy of Suzanne Gervais and HarperCollins Publishers. So let's get the chat started. So joining me today is Suzanne Gervais. She's been awarded the Lifetime Social Justice Literature Award for her books by the International Literacy Association, nominated for the Astrid Ingrid Memorial Award 2019 and an Order of Australia for Children's Literature. Suzanne Gervais is recognised for her youth literature from preschool to young adult novels on social justice. She engages young people in complex issues from multiculturalism, disability to peace. The I Am Jack books have become rite of passage on school bullying, adapted into an acclaimed play by Monkey Bar Theatre, touring Australian and US theatres. Congratulations. Suzanne's picture books have been described by a university professor as defining, as they demonstrate with great power that we can teach our children profound truths and timeless values. Her latest picture books reach into peace and identity, and those books are Elephants Have Wings and The Boy in the Big Blue Glasses. Suzanne is committed to reading and literacy and is an ambassador for Room to Read, bringing literacy to the developing world. She's regional advisor of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators in Australian East and New Zealand regions, and she's Premier's Readers Challenge ambassador and reading ambassador for a number of associations with her books, endorsed by organisations including the Cancer Council, the Alana and Madeline Foundation, the Children's Hospital Westmead Sydney, Life Education and Variety, the Children's Charity. Suzanne, as you can tell by my mouthful introduction, does relentless and generous work as a writer, a mentor, a speaker, advocate for literacy and a voice for young people and their communities. Welcome to Chat About Children, Suzanne. Welcome to. I'm very happy to be here. That was a real test on my breathing patterns, that intro. 
it was a test for me to listen to it. Sometimes I'm exhausted just thinking about doing all those things. Luckily, I have eternal life, so there's no issue. <laughs> Suzanne, I've got to start by saying thank you. Thank you on behalf of the children and the families around the world fellow writers, authors, educators, various other professionals who work with children. You have just done an amazing amount of work over the years. So I have to start by saying thank you. Well, thank you for buying into my books and what I do, because without readers and advocates, I can't reach kids. And I mean, the reason I'm a writer is story is one of the most powerful ways to engage children in cultural change and personal growth and development. Absolutely. And look, there's a number of topics we could be chatting about today, but of course our focus is to chat about bullying. Now, before I get into that specific topic, I just got to ask you one question because I'd love the listeners to get to know you a little better and to understand what it was way back when that led you to start writing, in general, such impactful children's books. Well, I'm the daughter of post-World War II and post-communist refugees. And it was an enormous struggle to escape from Hungary and find home in this fabulous country. Whatever our problems are, it is a fabulous country. It has democracy and the opportunity to be all you can be. I didn't realise that it had such profound effects on me. And it has driven every single thing I write. I drive my writing by a desire to Find the light, whatever the challenge is, be it bullying, be it war, be it parental arguments, whatever it is, kids have so little capacity or experience to deal with the adult world we inflict on them. So my books are 100% driven by the desire to empower kids, but in a realistic and not in a I am going to tell you so way. Mm. It's that they've got to find. My books never, never preach. I present them with a plethora of life and they will click in where they need it and find the journey they have to make in order to be all they can be. Absolutely. And they have done that. They've journeyed around the world, Suzanne. So well done. <laughs> well done. Yes, thank you. Now, the I Am Jack book series, that's been a significant resource for parents, for students and teachers, and it really has highlighted the devastating effects that school bullying can have on children in the school community, and as you would say often to people, it can happen to anyone. So generally speaking, Suzanne, tell us about bullying? What do you consider it to be? What do you consider it not to be? And then I'd like to get into, you know, why you've written it anyway. But talk to us about, talk to us generally about what is bullying and what isn't it? Well, the number one thing it isn't, it's not teasing. Mm. Every human being teases every other human being. And it's annoying and you want to be angry and all the other things, but you don't actually lose yourself. You're equal power. Bullying is about disempowerment. It's about one group or person being so strong that you no longer have any power and begin to disappear. Bullying is the most difficult issue for young people to face because young people are developing their sense of who they are, their identity, and that identity becomes determined 
often by others. Mm. They yet not secure in who they are. When children are bullied, it means they lose their self-esteem and who they are. And the thing is, they have no resources. And we tell them things like, you know, ignore it. That's ridiculous. You cannot ignore it when there is a knife in your heart and you feel you have no voice. People say laugh it off as if someone who is targeting you, often with a group of friends, are going to say, ha ha, it's funny. People say to you, avoid it. They a lot of advice. The advice that is given is for teasing and it's very good advice. For bullying, it is not helpful. Because ultimately bullying is far greater than ignoring, laughing or whatever. Yes. So, I mean, and it's basically victimising the victim. You can do something. You're victimised. It means without power. Mm. And you're saying to those kids, listen, you have power. You can do this and this and this. doesn't work. So then they feel even more powerless. That is not the way to deal with it. I believe bullying is dealt with by empowering the community, the kids around them. And part of the reason, or the major reason I wrote I Am Jack and the I Am Jack books is to get kids involved in story journey. And they suddenly say, oh, that's me. I've never been bullied. I haven't bullied anyone else. But I get it for the first time. And there's pathways for them to act. Not all kids will act to defend the kid who's being victimised, but enough if they know, because it's about empowering leaders, leaders for good. Kids don't have the experience to know how to support a kid being targeted. And it's very simple. Sometimes it's standing beside them. Sometimes... It's about telling your parent there's a kid in trouble. There's lots of techniques within the book that enable kids to engage and find their own pathways. The thing is, kids can do one thing if they're targeted. And I always say that. They can tell. Here's the rub. Here's the rub. They don't know how to tell. True. So helping them to do something they have no experience, which is one of the reasons for writing story. You know, I often ask kids, you know, you're in trouble. You've got to talk to your mum or dad. Have you ever tried to speak to your mum when she's on the phone? There's mass laughter because they know. Mother will say, go away, haven't I told you a hundred times not to bother me? They, it will be very unsuccessful. Now think of a kid who's been targeted. They're already lost their self-esteem. They're being hugely brave to tell their parent. And that parent says, go away. Not because the child is the most important thing and person in their life. Jack is or your child is. But we're adults and we get so busy with adult behaviour and we've got to make dinner and we've got to work and we've got to pick up this and something's happened. We cannot hear our kids. So the kids have to be empowered to know when to speak to their parent when a parent can hear. And I often ask kids, I said, oh, when should you speak to your parent? And they'll put up their hand at the dinner table. And my answer is danger, danger. (laughs) Why? Why? 
I said, who else is at the dinner table? Oh, my brothers, my sisters, you can imagine. My son, Jack, says, or the kid targeted says, you know, people are calling me names. The sibling says, of course they are. And, you know, it becomes yeah. out of control. Yeah. When you have something serious, you have to talk to your parent when they can hear. You have to speak silent, quietly, and you have to have no one there, not one other person, you and your parent. Mm. And, you know, obviously when the children are younger, you know, the parent will say goodnight. And it's a time where that parent is thinking of one person, that child. Mm. The day is gone. They're just thinking it's a beautiful time to say, Mum, Dad, I've got something to tell you. And that becomes the conversation. So the child is no longer alone because bullying is all about isolation. And teachers are the same. Same. You've got to know when to talk to a teacher. You know, you say to the kids, you're in trouble. When should you talk to a teacher? I should go out the front where the whole class is there and tell them, mm-hmm, it's over. But they can't. So that's the very first lesson that they really need to know and they will understand that. It will help them. And one of the things I found, and I've had lots of emails from kids who've read the books and so on, and one little girl emails me and says, Dear Suzanne, they always think they know I know them because when it's so cute, they think I know everything about their lives because I've written this book. So dear Suzanne, I've read Jack six and a half times. I said, okay. Yeah. They're so cute. And they said, I was being bullied at school and I did everything I was supposed to. You know, I ignored it, I laughed. Then I told my teacher and then they were, I went to counselling and then this happened and this happened and we had big talks. And guess what? I'm still being bullied oh. because there are external forces trying to change the situation. Mm. And she said, I'd been really mean to my mum because I was so unhappy. And she said, I decided that I would talk to her. And she told her what was happening. And what happened was she said, I'm still bullied at school, but it's better because my mum is beside me. Oh, that's that's tear-jerking, Suzanne. The impact's just so powerful. Everything you've just said is so powerful right there. And there's a lot of questions I had for you, you know, kind of later. But I think one of the first things that you've really talked about, and it, it sounds so easy yet so obvious, teach children the context in which they are able to communicate most effectively. That yeah. is the first and pretty much your fundamental teaching. And it is so important. And you know, when I speak to kids, they'll say, I've tried to talk to mum or dad. And I say, you know, when they're doing nothing, and I say to them, they're always doing something. They're thinking, they're on their phones, they've got, no, you have to find physical, behaviourist place. Yeah. Be in the colour, you and mum or dad are there. has to be physical. It cannot be dependent on their assessment of another human being's attention. It yeah. won't work. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you're absolutely right. And from a personal point of view, I know that with parenting my three kids, I've actually said to them, you know, mum and dad can be quite busy sometimes, but we're never too busy to listen to you when there's something that is worrying you, that you're scared about, that you need to talk about. So I've kind of gone, even if I'm on the phone, you just tap me and I usually will say to the person, just one sec. And if you say it is important, so I've kind of trained them to say it is important, then I will pretty much prioritize that. I will always stop what I'm doing if I can, or I'll tell you, I will talk about this in five minutes, 10 minutes, in half an hour, but we are actually going to talk about it. And it's worked quite well, but your kids need to reach that level of understanding to be able to, you know, have that, I guess, that connection or confidence to go, I'm not going to get into trouble. And that's part of what I say. You won't get into trouble. You just have to know and make me know that it's not about, you know, that you need your, you want your pencil sharpened or you want a snack, but it is important. And so it's just, I've just kind of taught them the difference between those mundane things and something that's next level up that you can actually interrupt me on. That shows, I mean, you're a very good parent and it shows really the difference between teasing and bullying. It is quite hard for a lot of kids to differentiate when they speak. So the thing is, what you're doing is marvellous and parents should be aware. But also, children have to be given a whole set of actions that will lead to positive outcomes. Totally. Yeah, well, I mean, in your case, your kids know how to approach you. Great. Other kids, why parents may not respond or may not have taught it, whatever it is, so they need a sure-fired win situation. They will be heard. Absolutely. And every family dynamic is super different. And what you're doing in your series is going, I'm actually giving you the tools. And that's where the empowerment comes. So with I Am Jack, tell us, because that's obviously been inspired by your own personal experiences with your son. So why don't you tell us the story about, not I Am Jack, tell us your personal story about you and your son. Look, I'm a single parent and very busy like all parents who are single or not single, doesn't matter. Everyone is insanely busy. My son, as with your children, he's the centre of my life. And my daughter, who says she's not enough of the centre, but all right. (laughs) Another story. There's another story. The thing is, I really do regard myself as a caring and loving parent. I didn't know my son was bullied at school. His friend told her parents and they rang me. And they said, my son is in trouble. Of course, I ran home as fast as I could and I confronted him. And he broke down crying and said he never wanted to go to school again. I, of course, broke down crying much more than he did because I felt like a failed parent. Mm. Now, the truth is that we always use the cliche to resolve any problem, communicate. Communication. That's all very nice, but how do you achieve effective communication? Mm. So the thing is, the fact that his friend gave him a hand by telling an adult who told me, it opened that communication. Once I knew it was serious, of course, my son said, please do not go up to the school. Yes, common response. Yes, my response was in five seconds, I'm calling the school, I'm going to make a complete 
don't care. So he was terrified and I pulled him up to the school. And you know what? His teacher was amazing. Mm-hmm. No, bullying is about secrecy. It mm. doesn't happen in front of a teacher. It happens in the playground where there's no adult. It happens before school, after school, on the bus. It's a secret business of power abuse. And when the teacher found out, he was amazing. He listened and he said, look, take a few days off school to my son. And he said, let me check it out. And he did. And he spoke to every child in my son's year, but it was more than that. This is the real secret to his amazingness. Mm-hmm. He empowered my son because I was prepared after what had happened to him to leave that school. Mm. Jack, would you be prepared to stay on for a while? Because there's other kids like you. Now, if it was me, I would have said, no, I'm not coming. I don't want to be pilloried. Yeah. But my hero, the son, shook this teacher's hand, said, I'll stay. That was the biggest empowerment for my son to start rebuilding self-esteem. Yeah. He did not just do that. He said, oh, every morning before school, you have to come to my office. We've got to talk every morning. And they talked about stuff like my son's photography, made some jokes, just general. But my son knew that every day, his teacher had his back. Yep. He did not talk about bullying this or that, just knew that I had your back. And then his friends who had abandoned him because it's so scary to be a friend of a bullied child. Yeah, you don't, you don't want to be targeted too, yeah. Oh, those kids, they were spoken to and they went to my son and said, we're sorry, we're ashamed. And now there were three of them. My son is two mates. Sometimes kids still made jokes or knocked him, but there were three. And over time, he regained his belief in himself. And on top of that, he learned. His grandma said to him, Jack, you forgot. I'm always there for you. Because Mm. bullying isolates him so much. And his sister and his mum and the community came to support my son, and in the end he loved his school and his friends, and he also got something out of this experience. He got his own power. He would always support others. He's a better person for it. Not that I wish any child to be bullied to become a better person, ever. Yeah, absolutely. But it it shaped him is what you're saying. It shaped him to be able to help others. And that in itself is is a very special thing to be able to do in life, I think. I think so. And one of the things that I very much worry about a lot of the media campaigns, which are well-intentioned, and a lot of the programs, again, very well-intentioned, there's something wrong with them. For example, they realise that a child victimised cannot stand up alone. They can't. It's not possible. We can't. We've seen many genocides in the world. No one can. And they say, you stand up for your friend or for whoever it is. And I feel like saying, really? I, as an adult, have seen terrible things and I feel sick that I can't stand up because I will be destroyed, I'm afraid. You've got my son being bullied 
in class, behind when the teacher's back is turned. What is it when the teacher says, Jack, I'm sick of you. Why are you misbehaving and he can't speak because he's lost his voice? You expect the other, some child to put up their hand and say, oh, listen, it wasn't Jack. The whole situation is that kid pushed him over and so on. Really? Not going to happen. Yeah. It's not fair either. And I, again, talk to the kids. How do you tell safely? Yes. That secret. So in Jack, when his friend who is so upset at seeing what's happening to him, she tries to talk to him. He's very silent. She goes to her parent. And then the parent safely tells me and I safely tell the school. And so we engender change. And the point is to say to kids, you're just supposed to stand up in the firing line and change everything. It's not going to happen and it's cruel. But you can say to a child, depending on the severity of the situation, Look at your friends and together as a group, say to a teacher, Jack is in trouble. If that's too dangerous, go with your friends to a teacher when they can hear after school, before school, when there's nobody around and say, Jack's in trouble. Because the kids standing up have to stand up safely. Yes. So that we re-establish power balance. Absolutely. And safety is always number one. Now, Suzanne, you know, when I listen to that story, and I'm so happy that it obviously was a happy ending, and you could write a series that's now helped thousands around the world. When you look back and you reflect it, as I'm sure you've done many times, did you ever think, were there any signs that I missed and kind of go, oh, yes, now that I know that he was being bullied, I can see that he was not himself on a number of days or that he was quiet at dinner. Like, what were your reflections afterwards? Well, there were many signs which good adults will miss, good teachers, good parents. Signs like suddenly his friends are not coming over. Doesn't, you know, that's first. Change of friendship. The second thing is suddenly there's sick days. Got to start. And, you know, I'm really busy and I'm off to work. I'm sick. I call Nana, Grandma over to mind him. I don't think because it's a changed behaviour. When he was sick before, he was sick. So notice that, absenteeism from school. Mm-hmm. Notice things like he, his marks or grades not being the same, especially with boys more than girls. Mm. Their grades will start to fall what's happening. You can notice things like, depending how bad it gets. Now, my son was really bullied badly and clothes were torn. Things were happening. Mm. It was all. I just cried and cried. Because, you know, you do anything. You put yourself in the line of fire for your child. Mm. Here you are, you know, making dinner, doing this. And remember, the kids are quite strange in that when the terrible things are happening to them they really feel like they want to die they feel terrible but when it's gone they go back to themselves they feel happy so kids are quite variable and it's quite difficult sometimes for parents to notice yeah but it is because they change so when jack isn't at school and there's his nana and she's bought him specials he's mr joker mr happy 
but then he has to go. So notice the change. But you will notice it. But the thing is, I don't believe you should be bullying your child by having these deep and meaningful conversations. It's very stressful. And it's very much telling them what to do. Mm. The way parents can ensure that they're more bullying protected is one, when they go to bed, have that mum or dad time with their child, talk, use a story, discuss the things. So they really feel secure in your friendship, in your friendship as a parent as well as being a parent, someone secure. Mm. The second thing you should be doing, I think parents should be doing, is ensuring they have very strong activities and it can be as boring as stamp collecting it doesn't matter a group of nerds is fine i'm with you (laughs) you know it doesn't they need to have a group of friends because bullying is always about isolation Mm. always so that means they've got a support system who will come around them so there's the second methodology and the thing is that Those two things are protectors for the children. But still, bullying will still occur. The most important thing is to be aware of changed behaviours and try to stop at the beginning because you can do it then. It's so much harder. Once it becomes mentored, the character becomes transformed into nearly a victim. They're... It's hard for them to change. So at the beginning, and often it may seem trivial, but if a child, and it can happen on -on one-on-one, a more powerful child will start to dominate your child. It's just easy, especially when they're very young, to nip it in the bud. Hey, that doesn't, not in a violent, mean, difficult way, just say, hey, that's not going to happen. Won't happen. Pull them up. But I believe 100% that bullying will never go away, but I do believe we can empower kids who are being victimised through showing them strategies of how to get out of it. One, through these books, but also that that they know they're not alone. Mm. They think they're the only people in the world who have been bullied and they start questioning themselves. And I think that it's really important to bring awareness to kids who target others. Now, a lot of the, when I speak to kids and teachers, I think, oh, kids bully others because they've been persecuted, they've been bullied themselves, they've got a violent home. Well, that may be a minority of positions. The real issue is kids who bully haven't developed empathy yet. Yes. They can't put themselves in another child's shoes. Yeah. And the real issue is it's fun. They can be. Yeah. When they're chasing my son and making his life a complete misery, they don't hate my son. They're just cool. There's all these other cool people following them. And they've forgotten he's a human being. Yes. And the thing is, when you talk about bullying, bullies, People often assume they're monsters from out of space. They're us. We're the bullies. And good people who are bullied can sometimes bully others because we haven't got the empathy. We want to show off. We want to de-stress. So it's really important not to make people who bully 
outside the realm of normality. Yes. It's a very valid point. And I think I haven't experienced it with my children. You know, I hope I don't. But I wonder about the bully. And when you've talked about your story with Jack, a part of me is going, what happened to the bully? Did the bully get better? You know, did they grow and not transform, but did they grow from their experience? Did they learn something? Did they change? I mean, do you even know the answer to that? Yes. Well, some kids or human beings are psychopaths, but assuming that we haven't got a psychopath, it's a normal child who has empathy. Yes. They do it for friendship, for all sorts of reasons. What happens is I do believe when they're discovered to be tormenting another child, they actually need not counselling, they need to be pulled up. There needs to be consequences. Not consequences of horror, things like you're not going out into the playground for lunch this time. You know, those sort of things. What we call, especially at the beginning, there needs to be 100% consequences, not only for the child who's bullying, for the other kids. To see that there's justice in their school. Yes. Because they make them afraid as well. They have to go. That child's persecuting that child. There is. They're pulled up. There's a consequence. Oh, I don't want to be in that group. Okay? I really believe in that. And secondly, yes, you can talk about that. There's some terrible, terrible methodologies that are used for this, for bullying. It's the worst. They get a counsellor, whoever, and they get a child who's been bullying, my Jack or Jane, whoever, together, Mm -hmm. and they get to talk, facilitate. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the kid bullying will say, I'm sorry, it won't happen again, very empowered by being given this opportunity to lie. Jack will say, oh, yes, I accept that. Yes, it's great totally victimised to think, oh, my God, I've got no voice at all. They go out and it's much worse. Mm. The thing is, it is not about that. The kid who's bullying, either he has no empathy or having a great time or displacing aggression needs consequences and there needs to be a pattern of behaviour established. So, for example, you know, if a child's bullying, one, they're withdrawn, two, they're checked on to make sure they don't continue that behaviour, which is witnessed by other kids, and they will normalise. With the child who's victimised, they need to have their self-esteem rebuilt. Yep. That is done through friendship, through success at what they're good at. So my Jack was good at photography. That needs to be shown within the context of the group. That is very helpful. One of the other things is that we need to talk to the kids who are the bystanders. Mm. They do, you know, we have these things have all got to stand up where they will be targeted and destroyed themselves. Bad idea. But what we can through story is show this. What happens when the kid who is calling my son or the daughter girl names and starting to push them, shove them? What happens if the group around them walk away. He's by himself or she's by herself. What happens then? Oh, they're not popular. They've got no support. They will tend to join in back with the group. Yes. Because 
they will be isolated. Yep. They don't want to be isolated. Yep. So it's a very powerful thing for the bystanders to walk away, all of them there by themselves. One kid might say at the early days, hey, cut it out. It's not funny. Walk away. Yep. It becomes more, you know, it's resolution for everything, but it is what we should be getting kids to work out. What can you do to change that situation? Yes, that's right. And I think, as we said earlier, some of the things in the I Am Jack book are really practical tools and they're being used already in many schools, I imagine, Suzanne, and for other educators that are listening, you know, they might be considering how do I use I Am Jack in their school. Now, are they being used in childcares and preschools? Like what, is there an age range that we can, or is it more kind of your school age playground type of context? Tell us a little bit more about that and how teachers can best utilise I Am Jack. I Am Jack is really aimed for fifth class. It's sometimes used in third and sometimes used in sixth, even year seven not because of the literacy level, but because of the tools within the books. Mm-hmm. It's often best used, I think, a grade four is my view, or five, because a grade four is a very transitional age. They're moving from the infants, the attachment, not that they're detached from their parents or carers, but it's just moving into that more independent stage, and they are right for working out these resolutions to sound, you know, behavioural practices to protect them all with a teacher guideline. As soon as they get older, like six, they're still, but once they're in high school, it's much more difficult Mm. to reach them. You want them to get these patterns of behaviour before they go to high school where hormones kick in and life is even more dominated. And parents in high school are removed from the scene. Mm. The thing is, in infants and primary, the parents still have a presence, it's accepted. High school becomes quite uncool and there is very little opportunity other than working at the tuck shop, really. <laughs> yes. So, you know what I mean? So it's that sort of thing. So it is for that level. There are huge amounts of teacher notes on Jack. There are some on my website which have been done by teachers and the education department. So with the ones that the education department have done, they deal with bullying and they make a breakdown in each chapter so it meets, you know, not only bullying but literacy and all the other agendas that are essential for learning and critical thinking. So they're very much on my website and available through schools. I agree with you that bullying starts in preschool, by the way, Mm. and infants. But the difference is there are a high proportion of teachers and carers per child. They can pick it up. And parents have a much higher involvement. So, for example, you know, if I saw going to a preschool as an adult, a grandma even, (laughs) now I'm a grandma. Congrats. Yes, I'm very clever. I really love being a grandma. Firstly, they're little. Secondly, I can spoil them, behave totally inappropriately by, you know, letting them watch TV, letting them out too late, whatever, because I don't have any uh, responsibility other than their care. Oh, I'm very good. 
That's what I do. I want to do that. I deserve it. I've been a parent. It was hard. So what I'm saying is... So going back to preschool isn't bullying. Going back to preschool. <laughs> the difference is that if I saw a child, you know, hitting another child, I would go up and I'd say, look, why did you do that? You know, I would resolve that conflict. I wouldn't allow it. If I saw it continuing, I would speak to the teacher. The reality is that adults outside the teachers, the parents, grandparents, whoever, are very involved and see the behaviours on a more regular basis and they will inform and so things can be resolved. The older kids get, the more difficult it is to have people intervening. Mm. And furthermore, once they go to high school, they don't have even one teacher looking after them. There's many who actually mean that kids can slip through the cracks, as they say. Yes. And so I was very specific. This age where the Jack books are, year four, five, six, the really key stages, we can empower enough leaders to lead for good. That will be enough to change culture for many children in high school. Absolutely. And not every child can be a leader. But every child can be a follower. So the thing is we need to, they can, they want to be popular. And it's a continual process, but I do believe that story enables them to empathise, enables them to engage, and then they can act. One of the most unsuccessful ways of teaching anti-bullying, and note the word teaching, is by adult telling the information going down. It's like they don't hear it. They may be able to mimic it, but they do not hear it. But when they think, oh, that's me, I'm Jack, or I'm Jack's friend, oh, I could do that, suddenly you get enough kids with empathy to say, "Uh uh-huh, that's how I'm going to do it. And what you've just described, Suzanne, is the storybooks, and with many children's books, that opens the doorway into the child's world. And when you're coming top down as an adult, you're coming from external worlds and clashing with another world. And storybooks such as I Am Jack just opens the door, I'm coming into your world, you connect, and voila, we have a, a mutual understanding. And we have a message and we have a lesson and it's just because we're talking the same language. We're in the same world. Is that kind of what you're describing? Yes, and I think it's also respectful. As an author, I believe that when a child reads a book, they're engaging in a partnership. We're travelling together. I am not telling them a story. I'm inviting them to come into this world and see how they're going to play around with it. And that partnership is what makes it so effective. Yes, absolutely. So do you think that has made the I Am Jack series such an enormous success worldwide? Because, yes, the theme bullying is something that, you know, hundreds and thousands of kids can relate to, I guess, or can resonate with. But what you're describing is that the story has invited the child in, has emotionally engaged them. And that in itself has taught them and given them ways to understand within themselves what they can actually do. So that's where the empowerment comes. Do you think that's what's made it such a strong and successful 
Look, there is several reasons. That is the reason, but also at the moment when I wrote Jack, it was a time where it was very innovative. It's been around for decades, getting stronger and stronger. When I wrote it, there wasn't the barrage of anti-bullying books that seemed to be flooding the market with many, many well-meaning and worthy people. Really, we don't need a million books of worthiness imparting this knowledge. We need engagement, as you said. Now, the thing is, to write a strong book on whatever topic it is, on whatever issues, it's always done through character. Mm. So you have, so the writer is not, I didn't write this really about bullying, although it is about bullying. I wrote it about a mother traumatised for her failure as a parent, about Nana who said, but you forgot I was there, about a real boy who navigates the stupidity of life, the jokes, the annoying, the adventures. And once you identify with the person, ah, then you're on the journey. And I think the character, because people know those characters, they are their mates, their friends, they populate their world. And that is what actually brings the readers and gives it longevity. And so their adventures are your adventures, you know. And I'm thinking of stories I love, for example, you know, Never Ending Story, which is such a beautiful, beautiful, doesn't matter, it's about real relationships, about love. I love that character and that character can take me anywhere. Yes, absolutely. And Jack has not has, but is a four-book series. So why did it evolve to be that way? So you've got I Am Jack is the first book. Then what happened? Then what happened? I have a terribly chaotic life and my <laughs> life is a disaster. I'd just like to share with you. <laughs> share away. See, what happens is that, you know, two things happened in my life. One, my father, who I love beyond belief, he passed away with brain tumour in his was traumatic and it began my writing journey and then my husband left me and the children because you leave the children when you leave me for the secretary of course I always never thought I'd be left for a cliche but nevertheless what can I say you've come through it stronger yes not against my wishes but anyway so one thing I learned as a writer children are on the journey that adults give them. You know, you're going to be fighting, your children are in the middle of it. If you're going to be having cancer, your children are in the middle of it. They're on your life. You're in your life. And I have enormous respect for kids. I think they're brilliant and amazing with no experience. So as my life evolved, I always tell the truth to kids. Within fiction, sure, because they need entertainment, but ultimately I never lie to kids because they know a liar Mm. and that book is irrelevant. So I never knew I was going to do a series. I did a series because my life broke up. My second book is is about divorce and coming to dealing with blending families and the complexity of children. And my next book, I couldn't believe it, I got breast cancer, which based, that's okay, you know, 
But then he said, I got breast cancer and I got it the first time. And I have to say, because I'm a loving parent, I decided to lie to my children. I didn't tell them. As if kids don't know mm. what's going on in your life. So I lied. So, of course, I get breast cancer and I nearly die and then the children find out and then they know that their mother is a liar and then they have to sleep with me for the next two years. Yuck. Now I thought I'd never sleep again. Fine. You're good at adding the humour to the seriousness, can I just say. Continue. (laughs) Can I just say I have a great teacher. I'm not in his league, of course. But Shakespeare taught me well that there is no story that cannot have the graveyard scene. You must have humour because life is bittersweet and it's okay, you know. Yeah. My third book, Always Jack, addresses cancer and it addresses it with humour and hope. And it's got carries, I'm very proud of this, it carries the yellow daffodil. Mm. And the reason the Cancer Council endorsed it they approached me. They said, we've got so many books on cancer, breast cancer, other cancers, but the area we have a hole in is dealing with children. How do parents negotiate that? How do they tell them? It always fails. And story is so powerful. And it's a happy story. But let me say, I go out, I'm speaking to this group of kids, and one little kid puts up his hand and he says, Suzanne, Did you die? (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't. I was so funny. I said, not yet. (laughs) Just checking. You could have come back to life. It happens in stories, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And I said, I'm here. You're reincarnation of me. But that book, I've got a beautiful story to share about it. It is joyous and wonderful and complex, but within language that kids understand. And as always, kids are my partners. I tell them nothing. They will find their way. But anyway, a teacher approached me and said, oh, I used Always Jack, it's that one. I used Always Jack to have the class set. And we talked about, you know, it's difficult when someone's parent is sick. Everyone's touched, touched by cancer. Talked about it. One little girl puts up her hand and said, oh, my mummy, she's got breast cancer. And it was the first time she felt safe enough mm. to talk about it. And it was a really, fr- kids could talk and find out how to behave with her. She didn't want to be standing in the class where everyone feels sorry for her. She doesn't even know if she's sorry for herself. She's confused herself. Kids know why. They've just got to make sure they invite her over and she's friendship. Anyway, she took the book home. She read it together with her mum and they laughed and they cried and they talked about it, communication. And that teacher said she saw the little girl, she was 11, just before the end of school, and she said, um, how are you? Because her mother had died. Mm. And you know what she said? I'm all right because I know that I've got, you know, Dad, I miss my mum every day, but I'm all right. It's because there was true communication through story that they could work out together 
the story that would go on beyond her passing. Yes. And I think so powerful. Yes. So I still had a, a more exciting things to do. So I did my last and final story being Jack. Yes. It goes from Jack 11 to 13. Yes. And being Jack deals with the real issue of how do you deal with the loss of father? You know, if the father leaves or how do you manage that? Yes. It's a core issue in society today where 50% of children will be in a divorced family. How do you negotiate that and still keep identity? Yes. Now, I've got to show you something exciting. This is why my last book is quite rude. Oh. Now, describe, describe, because this is a podcast, Suzanne, describe what you've just shown me there, what illustration you've just shown me. What I showed is in the first Jack, there is this brave, heroic, feisty girl called Anna who tells her parents that Jack is in trouble, being bullied. This girl, Anna, is such a wonderful role model, lots of character. She's Italian background. What can we expect? You know, she's feisty and she's got an opinion and she gives Jack plenty to think about. <laughs> and all oh, they do, you know what they're like. And we love Anna and her parents are, and of course, the local fruitology market. They're not just fruit and veg, they're fruitologists. The whole thing works. She gives oh, them yeah. a It's great. And by the end, Anna and Jack are developing. Jack is 13. And on his 13th birthday, there's Anna. And he has his first kiss night. And, you know, all the kids who have been following Jack, their hearts just pack. It's every child's dream. We've got this, you know, wonderful relationship and it actually shows what a good relationship is. Yeah, beautiful. It's a beautiful way to have Jack develop over the four-book series. Yes, and kids who are too young will say, yuck. (laughs) Oh, the kids who are 11 and 12, they'll go, ah. And I've got to tell you one story because it's the funniest thing. This is hilarious. I get this email from a girl. Dear Suzanne, can you tell Jack, because they always believe everyone's true. Well, they are true, really. So yes. I'm the mother, the next mother. I, of course, I always present myself correctly. I have curly hair. Glasses and I do star jumps in the car park. I'm terribly unembarrassing. <laughs> but anyway, so this little girl, she says, you know, tell Jack I've read his book and I'm 11 years old and could you please tell him I'm single? Oh, that's just fantastic. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's the best. I was laughed and laughed. Gorgeous. And I wish all to have, you know, through the books I'm hoping they understand the complexities of human relationships and develop enough understanding so when they are ready in their teenage years to date and to go out, they have a sense of self and an understanding what is a good relationship, which is about talking, about laughing, about sharing the ups and downs of life. Yeah. Rather than this sort of estranged relationship we have now where they're, you know, meeting on online and this and they 
haven't yet developed an understanding of how important it is to know each other. Yeah, and have that human interaction and connection, definitely. And I think what I like, and I'm so happy that it is a a four-book series, is that, yes, the first book starts and it's about bullying, but I like that it goes beyond that because I would imagine for some kids that are in that bullying world, they don't see an end to it. Maybe they They can't see an end to it. And I Am Jack series kind of says, hang on, this guy, he had life after his bullying episode. You know, it was part of his life, but not all of it. And I think that in itself is quite symbolic. I absolutely agree because those children who are stuck in bullying, it divides them. They can't get out. And you know what? We hear about youth suicide. I get it. Because young people are very different to adults in that. As adults, we've got a lot of life experience and we understand we're going to have trouble. This is life. But if we can manage that, there will be light afterwards. There will be hope. There will be other things and joys. Kids are different. When they have that experience of disaster, they can see no light. They can't climb over that mountain and we have to help them. And insight, communication, seeing our kids through the Jack books, oh, they got over that mountain. They even were able to have a kiss with Anna. (laughs) Love a happy ending. Suzanne, you have been absolutely amazing in today's chat. I've really enjoyed it and I know that our listeners have enjoyed it definitely. Can I ask you just to kind of tie things up? Do you have any particular websites or anything like that that you recommend for parents kind of on top of the I Am Jack series? Any kind of sites that you'd recommend about bullying? When you go onto my site, there is a list. I absolutely believe the Australian government anti-bullying site is amazing. It's got so many resources. And, of course, there is the Alana and Madeline Foundation site with the Better Buddies system. There is Life Education site. But I do cannot recommend highly enough the Australian government school bullying site. It's just got a wealth of knowledge. Fantastic. Excellent. And you've mentioned your site a couple of times. That's www.sgervay.com where you've got that list. Now, I'm also very excited to say that for one of our listeners, Suzanne and your publishers, HarperCollins, have generously offered a copy of I Am Jack to give one of our listeners. And so I'm just going to say to receive a copy of I Am Jack, just be the first to email us at the Chat About Children podcast. It's info at chataboutchildren.com. That's info at chataboutchildren.com. First one to email is going to receive a copy of I Am Jack, courtesy of Suzanne and the publishers HarperCollins. So thank you very much for that. That's going to definitely positively touch someone's life out there and more than one, I imagine. So What have you got coming up for the next few months of 2019? What can you share with us? Well, I've just had released a picture book, which is for younger readers, which is from preschool to infants, called The Boy in the Big Blue Glasses. And you know what? Anyone who knows me knows I'm a crusader. Yes, I am. I even know I'm a writer, and yes, I do want to feel well and this and that because I want people to read me, ultimately. I'm the ultimate crusader. And The Boy in the Big Blue Glasses is such an important book. It's just a picture book, but a beautiful one, illustrated by Marjorie Crosby Farrell. And 
It's basically bringing awareness to vision sight problems. The trouble is at the moment we use a lot of digital. That is not in itself a problem, although children under two shouldn't be using digital because of eye development. The problem is we use so much digital and reading that we need not for recreation to go back to more digital. They need to have 15 hours a week in the sunlight. I don't mean bright sun. It can be overcast, but outside, because as children's eyes are developing, it is an actual physiological situation that they need to have the outside light to grow. That's the first thing. And the second thing is what I'm really doing is I'm trying to raise awareness of getting vision testing. Mm. Children do get in a lot of preschools, New South Wales is very good with their wonderful program for preschool at four, they get their eyes tested. But ultimately, the eyes have, there's no further testing. If your eyes are not tested, vision impairment is a very insidious thing. No one really notices that they can't see. Yes. They can't. It's so insidious. And you know what? It defines kids. Kids who are getting slow vision impairment, short-sighted, long-sighted, what's happening is they are starting to be misdiagnosed. Oh, that's a clumsy child. That child, not very good at sport, can't catch the ball. Oh, that child's not a very good reader. What's happening is the self-esteem becomes impacted. So they are starting to define themselves as clumsy, slow learners, bad readers, whatever. And without vision testing, this will continue to escalate. The boy in big blue glasses is about making, bringing awareness to parents and adults that you have to have your children's eyes tested every couple of years because it's so insidious. They do not know. And the other thing is that if children are tested, especially before seven or eight for a lot of eye conditions, they can be corrected with patches, exercises. Once you miss that date, that's it. And furthermore, if you are going to be one of those people who continue to develop short-sightedness or whatever the vision issue is, you do need to have glasses so you participate in life fully. And this particular book is endorsed by Good Vision for Life, the not-for-profit arm of Optometry Australia and Vision Australia. I am so proud of Vision Australia. They have basically transcribed Boy in the Big Blue Glasses into Braille and I had to fly down to Melbourne to actually do the recording so it's going to be in a pack as part of the Felix Library for Vision Australia. Every child in this country who needs Braille can get that pack, a pack from Vision Australia, which includes the Braille, my recording, and a box with feely, touchy things to activate their senses. They can have that sent there for free to every school, every preschool, every child so that they have reading. A lot of people don't realise that even if you're totally blind, the reason you need to read that Braille is it's a pathway to critical thinking mm. and the children need it. 
Also, a lot of kids who are developing vision impairment, they have glasses, they are also learning Braille. So what happens is they will still have glasses and they still will operate within the class, but they can also use their Braille text and so on. So I'm really proud of that. Oh, well done. Congratulations. That's absolutely huge. That is huge, Suzanne. Thank you on behalf of many, many children. And you know, look, I don't know where to start. I talk a lot about children's development, but you know, vision, you've already described the importance of it. But getting children's eyes tested, I support everything you're doing like a thousand percent. So I'm very excited. But it can be done. And I know in New South Wales, it's Medicare bulk builds, get it done before school. And then as in school. Yep. And when they I understand there's a developmental change in the eyes around age seven. So you know, get them tested again then, as you've said. So I support that a hundred I said a thousand percent, so I'll stick with a thousand percent. A thousand is good. I wish you the best of success with that. It is just so needed, and we just need more books and more stuff like that accessible to children who have those needs, whether it be visual impairment or hearing impairment, whatever it is, but just to help them thrive in life and to have fun like we all want to have fun and learn and be curious and be critical thinkers, etc. but just be part of the community. So thank you. That is amazing. Boy with big blue glasses. So congratulations, or the boy in the big blue glasses. So congratulations. Congratulations. That's very exciting. And again, I will mention Suzanne's website, www.sgervais.com. Suzanne, you've been an absolute pleasure to chat to today. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. A wonderfully remarkable and extraordinarily delightful lady, Suzanne Gervais, who continues to crusade, as she says, doing amazing work for children, for families and for professionals who work with children all over the world. Thank you, Suzanne. Big thanks again to Suzanne and HarperCollins Publishers. If you did want to receive a copy of I Am Jack, remember to be the first to email info at chataboutchildren.com and to also check out Suzanne's website, sgervay.com. That's S-G-E-R-V-A-Y.com. I would love for you to leave a rating and review and, of course, share this episode with family, friends and colleagues that you know are going to benefit from the excellent information that we have discussed today. I celebrate you and look forward to chatting soon. Thanks for joining the Chat About Children with Sonia Vestelich, www.chataboutchildren.com.